Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Cinnamon rolls and chili on a crisp November day. In the heart of football season, Thanksgiving's on its way. Mashed potatoes, turkeys, green beans not from cans. The Bosco boys are thankful for our diehard bonehead fans. Bosco boys. It's turkey time, boys. The boys are back, and it is Farmageddon week. Time to take on those Charlie Brown motherfuckers. But before we get into it, it's been a while. I've given you uh, some time off to try to recover. The COVID boy, Grant, is back. Grant, tell all the boneheads how you're doing. Give them an update. How are you feeling? And uh, you're, you're on Zoom, so you have survived. I'm alive. Uh, yeah, you went rogue again, which, you know, I am fine with, um, especially when I had COVID. So Yeah, I didn't communicate uh, very well, but my whole idea was, okay, I'm going to give you a break. You were about to die when we did two back-to-back episodes. I'm like, all right, it's a bye week. I can come up with some stuff. I can give Grant a break. So I'm sorry for that. one that was – a little tough that day I was legitimately like had was running out of voice was running out of air um and to be fair like until pretty much yesterday I felt kind of shitty um kind of out of it like really fatigued the the lasting effects of COVID are are real at least for me um I mean I can't smell anything still uh and I just feel tired all the time but Felt a lot better yesterday. Feel a lot better today. Um, hope I can get my smell back soon. But um, I think hopefully I'm out. You know, I don't have any serious um, complications, at least at this point in time. So, you know, I made it. I'm here, and now I can kind of say that I've got the antibodies, at least for a little while. So, um, yeah, feels good to be back. 
I listened to the shows this week. Went pretty well. Um, I liked it. I listened to Kurtz today, and he basically admitted that he's never seen, watched porn before. <laughs> I missed that. One way or well, he said there's this old saying that I've never heard in my life before where he's like describing pornography. It's like you I don't know oh, how to describe uh, it, but you'll know it when you see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, I've never heard that in my fucking life before. No, it's that, really not very hard to describe pornography. <laughs> I think I think that's from like Congress or is like a Supreme Court thing where it's like you can't define porn, but he he'll you'll know it if you see it. That is a phrase I've heard before. <laughs> I've never heard it. To be fair to John, I'm sure he wouldn't have just pulled that out, you know, of his ass. But I don't think that's very accurate. It's pretty easy to describe what pornography is. People I... having sex on camera for money, <laughs> or not money, or no money. I mean, it's really not hard to describe. But I mean, I, I I tend to agree with you. But that is that is a phrase. Uh, someone tweeted into Grant. Was that something on Congress? Was that a Supreme Court hearing? Someone educate Grant the, uh, you know, the origins of that phrase. Because it is a phrase. Um, and, and, again, I, I don't know John Kurtz's uh, porn habits. So, also tweet in what you think John Kurtz's porn habits are. I don't know. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah. you know what? Yeah. The, yeah let's just get weird. Let's just get weird. It's Farmageddon Week. Tweet us in whatever you want. But that COVID update was, was brought to you by Bet Online. Guys, I'm not kidding. So, basically, starting – on like today as you're or actually yeah today's we're recording it or tomorrow or today as you're listening tuesday or wednesday kicks off what i would say is maybe the best you know 10 to 12 days in sports gambling everyone likes to say oh it's wild card weekend in the nfl or it's oh it's the first weekend of uh, the NCAA tournament, that's bullshit. The best time to be gambling on sports is this next 10 days because not only do you have all sorts of NFL on Thanksgiving, you have rivalry games, you have all sorts of college football. But guess what? College basketball is kicking off. Most weeks, it's feast weeks. Feast week, you have all these tournaments. It's a little different this year, but hey, you still got it. You have the two best sports to gamble on, football and basketball, all going full-fledged. So get over to Bet Online. Bet Online, Bet Online. I don't know if I've said it to this point, but get over to Bet Online. Use promo code ARMCHAIR for your welcome bonus. I'm not kidding. My favorite days to wager on sports are Thanksgiving, the day after Thanksgiving, that Saturday. It's amazing. Get over there and do it. Bet Online, promo code ARMCHAIR. It's the time. Co-signed. Okay. Yeah, it, it, it's the best. Like, literally – I, I'm so excited. I can't wait. Last year on Thanksgiving and on the Friday after Thanksgiving, I went five and one on my wagers. I promptly lost all that money on Saturday, but it's fun. Don't gamble more than you can afford. If you have a problem, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. But literally, it's a lot of fun. And since Kansas and Missouri are too stupid to legalize it, do it over at Bet Online promo code armchair. All right, let's get into Coach Kleiman's press conference. Uh, any general football news? I will say this, uh, it's not football news, but again, basketball kicking off. Um, no attendance in Bramlage for any games through the month of November. Also, a little birdie tells me that if things don't improve dramatically before that December 5th game versus Texas, there won't be any fans in the stands for that football game. Again, it's hit home. 
this podcast. Grant got it. You know, beware of COVID, especially all the traveling. Be safe. Don't infect your older family members. Just beware. So let's get into it. Sorry. Uh, Coach Common said that they had a good week of open practice or open week of practice. They worked some on Iowa State, some on K-State. Um, we've talked about this probably before every single bye week to this point. Um, do you wish they were going all in on Iowa State, especially with how important that game is? Or are you still fine that, you know, they did some K-State on K-State work? You know, I'm not a coach. Um, I'm sure, you know, I like this, the fact that he said that they did both. Um, and I think that that's probably pretty common across the board. Um, especially with, you know, we have a lot of deficiencies that we need to work on ourselves. Um, and especially with COVID shit with people in and out, this has probably been a very weird, especially for us, it's clear, which we will get into. It's been a very difficult last, um, 10 days or so for this roster. Um, so I think, I mean, yeah, focus on Iowa state. This is a huge game, but it probably keeps you fresh in practice, especially, you know, young guys. Um, keeping variety probably helps hold attention, too. Um, that's that's kind of what I see. I don't – I like it. I think it's a good approach, and I think that's probably pretty common for most coaches. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It, it is different, though, because after, or after the bye week for the other bye week so far this year, Kleiman did just straight up say, oh, no, it was all K-State on K-State. Um, whether or not that's true or not, I mean, I don't know. But it, it was a change of how he's answered that so far this season. Um, they did say that they are going to be practicing on the grass fields all week. Um, you know, Jack tries to have grass, so it makes sense. Then he also said it's going to be a big challenge to put them or ourselves in a chance to be in the game in the fourth quarter. That's not – a new thing. That's something he says a lot. And I didn't notice it until uh, I think Derek Young brought it up to me that he says that so often. So I went back and watched some of his press conferences. He says that all the time. He wants to be in a position to be in the game in the fourth quarter. Phrasing it like that almost makes me like pissed off and also kind of like with the Oklahoma State game, how conservative we were in the third quarter. It's just like shit. Like, is that is that mindset kind of causing the third quarter issues? Maybe maybe I'm just grasping for straws. But ever since someone pointed that out to me, that he always meant, phrases it like that, it's bugged the shit out of me. It's weird too. Um, I think um, it kind of flies in the face of chasing points early too. Um, I mean, because if you want to be there and be competitive and then you kind of offset that in the third quarter with this like conservatism it just seems like wanting to be there in the fourth quarter it seems like you wouldn't be chasing points or it seems like you wouldn't be taking that extra risk to take points off the board not to bring it back to this fucking two-point conversion well he brings it up I, like, I don't know, if I know I... He will. <laughs> but it yeah i don't know i mean really the only third quarter we've been good in is KU. And that doesn't really – that doesn't count. I mean, you can't count that because um, you look at the half. I mean, we were up 34-7. That team was completely demoralized. 
coming into the third, coming out of the halftime. I, I just and they're so bad. I mean, you, I don't think you can put a lot of weight into that third quarter performance, especially with what we've seen after that. Um, I don't know. It's weird. It's really weird. But I agree with them. That's what this team has to do. Give ourselves a chance in the fourth quarter. That's kind of was my mantra last week and or two weeks ago, and it kind of uh, burned us. Well, but part of the issue for that mantra is like, at least in that Oklahoma State game, it's like, okay, you could have put that shit away in the third quarter. Why focus yeah. about being there in the fourth when you could, you know, end the game in the third? I get it. And, and, and it makes sense. It's, it's honestly probably like a coach speaky thing, kind of like pound the stone and take it one game at a time. Oh, you just want to give yourself a chance in the fourth quarter. I doubt he ever really, it, it really is a tangible thing. But again, Ever since I think Derek Young brought made me aware that he uses that phrase quite a bit, it's bugged me. So I'll never be able to watch a coach climb in press conference the same way. Um, some I don't know if you call it positive news, neutral news, bad news. Briley Moore, he said, is getting closer. He's been running around, but has not put pads on yet. Will be a game time decision. Oh boy, especially with no Sammy Wheeler um, and some of those young tight ends caught in COVID protocol. I mean, start injecting Bradley Moore with some Captain America serum or something because we need him. Yeah, um, the offensive outlook is pretty bleak at the moment because um, that's, I mean, essentially where we get – that's the tight ends are, have been the only way we've really been able to stretch the field outside of some minor contributions here and there from wide receivers. So – I don't know. Um, I don't feel very good about it. Uh, you know, if he's not in pads four games till game day, that's not good. I mean, we're recording on a Tuesday. Probably not ideal. Um, I don't know. Doesn't feel very good though. Doesn't it? Does not bode well for our offense, who is very toothless. No, I I agree with you. It's not great, but at least that he's running around. I don't know. I, I can't decide if I want to be positive or not. Um, I can't, I can't remember who asked the question. It might've been Kellis. I don't know who it was, but asked the question, you know, Hey, before Oklahoma, uh, you, you had issues in the secondary. So you shifted things around. You, you were shuffling the deck. So he, someone asked a similar question and coach Clemens said, they don't even have enough guys to like shift around stuff in practice and that they're just knocking on wood to make it through the next two rounds of testing. Um, that sucks. I mean, I, I don't know where it is. I would guess it's not offensive line. So I think it comes down to it being secondary or defensive line. But, I mean, you don't even have enough dudes to try to get creative with who you're throwing out there in practice. It's just, oh, man, it, it's not looking good. We might have two Farmageddon preview episodes. Yeah, that would be interesting. Um, a little birdie told me that it's a lot of the scout team. Um, that's out and I'll leave it at that. But, uh, yeah, that, and that doesn't fill me with a lot of confidence on the eve pretty much of what would be our biggest game of the season right now. Um, easily. Um, this is a very important game and it's a rivalry game and to basically for him to say that it does not make me feel very good. It does not make me feel good. But. Yes, and not to take away from your little birdie, but Kleiman did say last week it was a lot of scout team guys, and that really sucks because yeah. uh, they wanted to use this week to get looks at them. And also, just saying, it, 
it might be lining up with Halloween. So, I mean, my least favorite holiday, just kind of rearing its ugly head. Um, he was asked about uh, transfers. He said he's just chalking it up to being 2020. Says this season isn't easy for anyone. Everyone who's opted out or transferred had their own individual reasons, and he respects each one of those. Again, uh, Tyron Lewis, most recent one. Um, my guess is it won't be the last one. It sucks, but I'm not overly concerned. Like, yes, you're losing depth pieces. No one who's left has been a major contributor. But at the end of the day, you look at practice, you look at backfilling injuries, and then you had a lot of hype for Ty Lewis. So um, I'm not, you know, burning it down yet. I'm not too worried. Uh, fun fact, there's over 600 people in the transfer portal right now. The most it was before 2020 was 200 at a time. So, again, it's not just a K-State thing. It's a 2020 thing. But are you worried at all about any of the individuals or the number of guys that have uh, stepped out? No. Um, and when you, when you factor in the variable that the 2019 class, what that was for Kleiman, um, you know, it was a makeshift class that he had to kind of – patched together in two weeks and I don't think this is uncommon at all I mean you said it it's 400 at this point right now in November 400 extra players in the transfer portal I don't think it's anything to be really necessarily worried about um and the particular players that we've lost aren't you know you said it no they're not major contributors the only real one was the d-tackle commit that kind of bothers me, uh, Palo Mau or whatever the hell his name is. I already keep forgetting it, but that may hurt us later. But um, other than that, I'm not super concerned yet. Definitely. Um, and we'll, we'll now move to your favorite topic. Kleiman says he sleeps easy when he thinks about the two-point decisions he's made at K-State. Said everything's a mix of gut and analytics. Uh, again, so Seren <laughs> Petro brought this up. Um, and, and, again, I we know how you feel. I think we know how most of the fans feel. But, again, I again I, I ride with him. I, I agree with him. Um, but uh, I don't know. I, I, I think you have to be a, a confident guy to say it the way he did because he said it even with, like, a little smirk. Um, so I, I'm fine with it. Again, it, I, I can only imagine, you know, <laughs> I don't know if you got to watch it live, but if you got to hear him, I can, I can imagine probably seeing steam come out of your ears when you heard him say that. Yes. I would have called bullshit. said, you are thinking, you think about that decision every night, you bastard. Um, well, he loves to bring up uh, how he went for two and it helped him out versus TCU. And no one brings that up because they, because they uh, converted it. And, of course, you know, I think there's some truth to it. A again, there, there are people on Twitter who immediately when they went out there, they're like, oh, we don't want you going for it, yada, yada, yada. But I, I, he, he does have a point. He, he, Philip Brooks makes a catch. I think uh, it's, not, it's not a topic that he's asked about, you know, four straight press conferences. But, uh, you know what, he gets paid the big bucks to make those decisions. He does, and he has to live with those decisions when they don't work out. And typically, yeah, that's how it goes. You get burned when it doesn't work out, and nobody says shit about it when it does. So that's just the reality. I can't wait. K-State's going to be down 14 
in the fourth quarter versus Iowa State. We're going to score a touchdown. We're going to go for two because that's what the analytics say. We're going to get it, and then we're going to get a last-second touchdown and kick the extra point for the win and farm again in fashion, and I'm going to love it, and I'm going to party with all my analytics bros when it comes to that. Um, another well, Joe, fun- I'll, I'll fund it. <laughs> I'll fund the party if that happens. I love it. Uh, so he, he said – and I don't know if this is bullshit or not. He says there's less than 10 guys on the entire team who haven't missed at least 10 days of the season due to contact tracing or COVID protocols. I mean, is he counting, like, the fact that they had to completely shut it down? Otherwise, like, that's wild. Not even 10 guys. That's a lot. Yeah, that's – I mean, that doesn't shock me with the contact tracing. I mean, that doesn't mean that there's less than 10 guys that haven't had it, but – I'm sure there's tons of people that have been at least in contact with people that have had it, that have had to sit out. So, I mean, that doesn't surprise me, but especially now when you look at the numbers of how bad COVID is, it's not surprising at all. With Even with the precautions that they take, if one person gets it on the team, it's like if you were even remotely with that guy, you got to sit out for, what, 10 days? That's insane. So, yeah, and, and, that, and that makes basketball even more wild. I, I would be shocked know. if – I don't There's even know what no they're gonna way. Do. There's no way. I mean, basketball is going to be a nightmare. Because it's like one test and positive test, your entire team's out for two weeks. Yeah, it's going to be tough. Basketball is going to be tough. Um, we'll keep moving on. Uh, says that, uh, you know, he, he wants to compete every single game. Doesn't look for an excuse to reschedule a game. Um, I, I think – I know who who asked this question. It was a stupid. It was a stupid fucking question, um, because he was asked. You know, you seem like someone who just wants to play, and then tried to say some teams look for an excuse not to play, and then Clemens like, no, we're all trying to play. Like, just shut it down. Again, I, I think I, it was a very stupid question. Said uh, <laughs> we're just gonna move on. I shouldn't have even put that as a bullet point in there because just tempting me to clown on a journalist who I'm sure is just doing his job, whatever, uh, says that the red zone issue has been due to execution, says that they sometimes put too much em- emphasis on things like you have to do this, you have to do this, you have to do this, and don't just focus on doing your job. I thought that was the most peculiar answer that Chris Kleiman has maybe ever given because doing your job basically goes back to you have to do this, you have to do this. So I thought that was the weirdest answer he's ever given. Yeah, I mean, I would like to listen to that one live. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I agree with him. Half the issues – I mean, majority of the issues with our team are just us not – players not executing. And, you know, whether that kind of boils down to the kind of the talent level that we have, I don't know. But I don't know. I mean, a lot of – I feel like a lot of our red zone issues, are we putting the players in – very good position either. I'd have to go back and obviously watch our red zone, but I think it really a lot of it boils down to just offensive line play. If our if we could get good offensive line executing, God Look, would take care of everything. Skylar Thompson last year had a nose for the goal line and he found a way to punch it in when we were in the red yeah. zone. We had one of the best red zone offenses in the nation last year. It would be I, huge if Will was more mobile. I mean and, and again, he, he has the top line speed, but when you're in the yeah. goal line, it doesn't matter, you know, what your speed is after you get 10 long strides in. It's having that quick twitch ability yeah. to then make a cut, get in the end zone. Again, I maybe I'll get there. I don't know. 
Um, he said today that they were going to have a 1v1 red zone uh, competition practice today, ones versus ones. There's going to be a winner and going to be a loser. I That really stuck out to me. I, you know, yeah, I would I love like to watch do, that period. Do it every single day, every fucking day, do that, please. Yeah, we need it. Said that they're probably will be, they are in a situation where they need to probably try to recruit or convince some of the seniors to come back next year. Said that there is a time to take care of it. He says it's not too early, not too late to start those conversations. So it sounds like they're really going to start zeroing in on the seniors they want to try to convince to come back next year. Um, a lot of questions about Echo Boydo and his rise. He said none of the coaches are surprised how well he's playing. Uh, said he might be the fastest guy on the team. He said they use him as an example when they talk to some of the young guys who might be getting discouraged uh, as to why they're not playing, saying, hey, you need to make the most of your opportunity when they come, and they point to Echo and his rise. Uh, they said Echo's best football still in front of him, which if that's true, like he's going to be all Big 12. Talked about the length and the speed and how aggressive he is attacking the ball uh, when he's playing corn. That's what makes him so good. Um, Again, Echo Boydo, I think he even ha he was part of the player availability today. I haven't gotten a chance to listen to any of it, but um, if anything comes from this COVID season, the rise of Echo Boydo uh, has to be probably, if not the top, one of the top storylines. I absolutely love Echo Boydo. He's a Kansas boy, um, and I think that's a really good point um, for him to bring that out. Uh, he's a great example, um, you know, not everybody – I know, you know, the poll of recruiting, a big poll is playing time, early playing time, and, you know, people get discouraged, freshmen get discouraged, fans get discouraged. We get these high hopes for some freshmen, and then we don't see them for a couple of years, or maybe we put some people on pedestals and we don't see them at all, and that's not fair. Um, but that is a great point. I mean, it's such a big jump from high school to Division One that to look at Echo and – you know, sometimes it takes a couple of years. Sometimes you just have to pounce on that opportunity. I mean, it was an injury crisis, wasn't it? Basically at Oklahoma that tossed injury him in. Injury COVID. At Oklahoma, the worst possible way for him to come in. Um, and he absolutely locked it down, and he has not missed a beat yet. So I think it's great. Um, I, hope, I hope the younger boys take note. Don't get discouraged. Don't jump in the transfer portal if you haven't seen playing time for a couple of years because – you might have an elite junior, senior year, something like that. You know, it, I love that point, and I absolutely love Echo Boydo. He's my boy. Echo Island is real. Elite name. I hope he – he's got a pick six this weekend. It's it's coming. He'll be I, different. I, I was just about to say, I've been, I, ever since he started playing – He has gonna, a moment. He needs a moment. He does, Well, and the issue with Echo is people don't he's challenge too good. him. He's too they, damn good. He's too damn good, but, you know, Brock Purdy's a fucking potato, so he might, he might be an idiot and try to challenge Echo. So the final thing uh, from the press conference I want to touch on, he said that every Sunday during the season the entire coaching staff meets up and talks about the quote-unquote bottom half of the roster to talk about what they need to do to continue developing and building the program for those guys, whether or not it's trying to find them snaps on special teams, uh, create different practice uh, segments to make sure they continue to develop. Um, again, I don't want to make this about this staff versus the last staff, but I think Curry Sexton was on John Kurtz's radio show uh, last week, and he pointed out that back when, uh, you know, 
Bill Snyder was around, you know, the second string guys would be lucky to get snaps in the season, even during bye weeks. They'd maybe only get about 5 to 10% of the snaps. Um, the fact that this coaching staff is so dialed in on making sure those guys are getting development and staying involved in the program, that makes me so bullish on what this staff can do when it comes to developing those guys. Um, when you hear them say stuff like, and this isn't the first time, yeah. uh, Coach Clyman's brought it up and other coaches brought it, up, brought it up, how they're trying to make sure they get those, you know, third, fourth, fifth string young guys practice time every single week, not just scout time. Um, how, how exciting is it to hear the coaching staff talk like that? And, I mean, I, I don't want to speak for you, but I can't help but think we're in the best possible hands for the future of this football program. I, I completely agree. It's very refreshing to hear. I mean, I think Kleiman has already shown, you know, he's a great program builder, and it's important. He's shown how important it is to build depth and development, and I think, you know, he's got a good track record of playing a bunch of young guys you know, giving them opportunities without, even without injury crisis, sis, and without COVID, um, you know, he's shown that he's willing to do that to build depth. And it's so fucking important to build depth um, in any team, in any level of any sport. Um, it separates, you know, the great teams from the good teams, from the average teams. Um, I love him. I, it's great. And it busts out guys like, you know, little diamonds in the rough, like Deuce Vaughn, they get the opportunity to come in and, now he's the number one running back on the team. So it's good. It's good shit, and it'll bode well for us going forward. Creates creates a lot of good um, depth competition too, um, which makes sharpens those ones. No, I agree with you. Now it is time for our game primers and jingle balls to the walls. It is sponsored by Manscaped. Dot com. If you want to get ready for all those holiday get-togethers, get over to manscaped.com. Use the lawnmower 3.0 to make sure your entire body is perfectly manscaped for the upcoming holiday season. 79% of partners polled admitted that long nose hair and ear hair is a major turnoff. So if you want to stay on your partner's nice list, use the Weed Whacker in the 9,000 RPM motor-powered 360-degree rotary blade system to trim that up. Guys, I I don't know if they're sending them. I, I had to buy one, I and I used promo code armchair to get it over at manscaped.com. Hey, if you have a brother like I do, get him some of those great boxer briefs as a Christmas gift. You know, it's time to normalize giving your bros some boxer briefs. Get your best friend some boxer briefs. Use promo code armchair over at manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping. If you send me a screenshot of your receipt, I'll send you a Christmas card and a Bosco's Boys koozie. So for the primers this week, literally I reached out to no less than 10 Iowa State media folks, podcast folks, uh, in DMs and emails. None of them answer. Farmageddon's real. They don't like our podcast and we don't like them. So we don't have an Iowa State preview primer. I do have some notes from Jimmy, a.k.a. fan, that we will talk about uh, when we get back from the K-State primer, which is friend of the pod, the host of the game, out which KSGO, Mason both. And if I know Mason, he likes to cuss when he does his primers because he's not allowed to do on 
online <laughs> or on, on air. So Mason gives us our preview uh, primer, and I, he also probably shit on Coach Mess again because he does not like Coach Mess at all. So listen to Mason. We'll come back. I'll have Jimmy's game notes, and then we will give you know our keys to be in our breakdown of the game. Fuck out of me. I hate him. Hey, what's happening? It's Mason Vogue, host of the game plan on Fox Sports Radio, Wichita KGSO, 14:10 a.m. 93.9 FM, and you can always, if for whatever reason you want to watch a radio show, you can do it on our Facebook Live. You can comment on there in real time. You can tell me, hey, you sound like an idiot today, which plenty of people do tell me. Uh, so that's okay. I'm used to it. It runs 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. every Monday through Friday morning here in Wichita, and of course, wherever you want to decide to listen to. You can also listen online at TuneIn. So, this has kind of been, you know, a, a weird season for K-State. It starts out with the demoralizing loss against Arkansas State where, you know, everybody wanted to just burn it down and was wondering, is this the most embarrassing loss in school history? You know, not really considering the fact that there have been a lot more embarrassing losses, you know, over the last 10 years at least, I would say. It wasn't that bad. It was a bit of an overreaction. And ultimately, you know, what we got out of it was – what K-State has been ever since Chris Kleiman took over. And these last two years have just had some very big ups and some very low downs. And they've had winning streaks. And then these little losing streaks where they win three, they lose two. They win three, they lose two. And right now we're in you know the middle of one of those two-game losing streaks. And I, I don't think it gets past two games. You know, it, Another thing I think that people need to keep in mind is this was going to be the scary season under Chris Kleiman. This was going to be the year where we thought things may not go so well for K-State because you were losing a lot from the year prior. We knew that the cupboard was left pretty bare from what Snyder had behind, and things got even worse when Skylar Thompson goes out against Texas Tech and you're playing a true freshman quarterback that Will Howard may eventually be a really good player, but he's not there yet, and I think he struggled more than even I would have anticipated this season. So everything considered, I mean, they are still in fantastic shape compared to what it could be and what it, in all honesty, should be with this team. You know, COVID is something that we have to focus on, unfortunately, every game this season. It seems like every day it's playing a role in college football. The Big 12 has done a heck of a job of not really being affected by it. You know, of course, Baylor has caused a couple of cancellations because they're Baylor. They're going to have to find a way to screw things up almost every time. But outside of that, the Big 12 has done a nice job of finding a way to get games played. And I think, you know, the only concern for this week is that Chris Kleiman has seemed a little bit more nervy than most weeks in the season. And, you know, with cases and the numbers going up across the country in different spots, I do think it gives you a little bit of pause, especially the way he handled it. But when he spoke today, he seemed to be a little bit more optimistic and, you know, have a little bit more energy behind it. So I think that, you know, K-State's going to be fine. They're going to find a way to make this game happen. And ultimately, I think you have to. I don't think you can 
bank on these makeup games anymore unless you absolutely have to because nothing's a given and especially with Baylor coming up we know that Baylor's probably not doing the right thing so that game next week against Baylor I I don't know anything I'm just speculating but based off how Baylor has handled everything in their past and has handled COVID this year I wouldn't be shocked if that Baylor game has to be made up where it's just altogether canceled which if you cancel it give K-State the win but that, that's just kind of how I think it right now. You gotta you gotta play the game if you're able to, no matter who's going out there. And I think K State's going to be able to, to to do that. The last time out, thank goodness for a bye week. I think it gave some people some time to kind of cool down, you know, lose some of the emotion of the Oklahoma State game, and get ready for this Iowa State game that's going to be huge. I mean, the Oklahoma State game was something where uh, I think it went better than. I expected, I wasn't sure that K-State was going to be in it, put themselves in a position to maybe even win that game and to the point where we're saying they should have won the game. But it was still very frustrating. The The positives of the Oklahoma State game was, you know, the defense looked great. Wyatt Hubert, ever since kind of a slow start to the year, but I think some of that was kind of, you know, some maybe some dinging up earlier in the year started to play really well, played fantastic against Oklahoma State. The defense was phenomenal. They took advantage of a quarterback that gets a little sloppy at times, and guess what? You're going to get another quarterback that can get sloppy this week. But the offense was a mess, and I say mess with a capital M. You see my tweets on Twitter, at the real Mason V. Whenever the offense is doing something stupid, I'm going to tweet out, this offense is a capital M mess. Um, wink, wink. There's a reason why I capitalized the M there. If you guys haven't picked up on that, but what ended up killing K State was you had turnover plays on three straight drives from Will Howard that were were tough to watch. They were frustrating. The fumble that led to a touchdown is the weirdest football play that I think I've seen in person, and that's ended up what cost K State. You know, the fumbles and then the interception at the end. So K State was there in the thick of it, but. I think that people are panicking a little too much. I think that ultimately what needs to be focused on, a team competed and they still have it all right in front of them. And I think that's the big thing to keep focused on is the hope is that you can still go win out, make the Big 12 title game, and that's the way I'm treating this season. I'm not going to be as panicky as everybody else. And ultimately to me, they have only lost to Iowa State one time over the last however many years in a really weird game and people seem to be okay with them losing that game or at least like I don't care at this point because everybody kind of had the Snyder situation fatigue they're like whatever ready to kind of move on so I think K-State's gonna be able to pull out this game in my lifetime they're 18 and 4 I think against Iowa State so they just continue to dominate the Cyclones much like they do KU I think K-State finds a way to win it because they always seem to do in this game. The strength of K-State in this game, to me, is going to be the defense. It's the crown jewel right now. you got to sell out on the run, bring a ton of pressure up front, because even if they don't run, heck, you know what? You might get some pressure on, on a guy like Brock Purdy, and that's what you need to do. Have Brock Purdy make quick decisions and stop the run. The passing game of Iowa State it can be taken advantage of, mainly because Purdy is going to throw some of the dumbest passes you will ever see on a football field. He may very well be a solid quarterback, but my goodness, some of the picks he throws this year, you just scratch your head and wonder, what the heck is he doing? Just take the sack, just go down. A couple of weeks ago, we did a segment on the show where I compared Big 12 quarterbacks to NFL quarterbacks, and I compared Brock Purdy to Carson Wentz. They're the same type of guy, overhyped and 
all they do is try and make too many plays. They try and go above and beyond, and it just does not work out for them whatsoever. I think for K-State, the biggest weakness for them is themselves. You know, their offense is going to hold them back in this game. That's their weakness. I understand that the weapons, they are not plentiful by any means right now. But at some point, you're still coaching to win the game, and you have to do that with whatever's in front of you. And so Courtney Massingham and the staff have to realize that the game can be won or lost at any point of the 60 minutes throughout this game. So guess what? If you're going to be throwing the ball because that's the only way you can get things done in the last five minutes of the game, guess what I need to see you do? When it's 7.29 left to play in the second quarter and you've been running the ball up the gut with Harry Trotter for you know a half yard every carry, maybe time to start throwing the ball a little and trying to get something different going. The play calling just needs better flow and there needs to be this bigger sense of urgency. Key players in this one, Wyatt Hubert on defense. Same with the linebackers. I don't necessarily know who it's going to be that needs to step up because COVID this week, you really don't know who's going to be and, and able to go. But I, I think you got to bank on the linebackers, especially with the run game of Iowa State being so strong. So you just hope things work out there. And then on offense, Deuce Vaughn, it's been kind of quiet the last couple of games. You need some of that Deuce magic to come back. And I, I say Will Howard's important in this mainly just because he needs to go back to being a guy that doesn't turn the ball over, is kind of low-key. Will Howard, right now, the stage of his career is we need to not notice him out there. And that was the problem against Oklahoma State. Too many times we were noticing him for doing the wrong thing, missing something. We just need to not you know, notice Will Howard right now. I think that, like I said, limiting mistakes is going to be the biggest key to this game and not ever feeling too comfortable. If you get up, if you're K-State, don't get too comfortable. Don't feel like you've won it. What happened the last time you were in Ames? I think you got too comfortable. You're up decent in the fourth quarter. You end up losing. Iowa State is the kind of team that they know that their run game is the best. They might have the running best running back in the nation, and they're comfortable. You know, They're down 10 in the fourth. They're going to still run the ball some. So don't get comfortable if you're K-State. Keep busting it on offense, and don't take the foot off the gas on defense, continue to compete, continue to try and win. And I think ultimately K-State does win this game, get back on track. I think they beat the Clones 27-24. I just want them to to win. I mean, I get sick of all the negative Nellies around K-State. It's not as bad as you think it is, and I I think that they're going to be able to pull it off. Don't get too low. Don't get so low. The, The transfer stuff people are freaking out about, yeah, maybe you can raise an eyebrow at it, but... My goodness, it's not as scary as it seems on the face. Just kind of use some logic with it. Same for the last two weeks where, yeah, the West Virginia game was disappointing. This team isn't good enough to play a season without a letdown game. They had it against West Virginia, the Oklahoma State game. They played a team that's better than them, and they still almost won the game. So just have some confidence. I think the Cats take care of business. We need them to because watching K-State, being around K-State, a whole lot more fun when people aren't being so negative and always great to beat the Cyclones. All right, listen to me. Fox Sports Radio, Wichita, KGSO, 6 to 9 a.m., Monday through Friday. And you know what? If you don't, that's okay. You can just tweet your hate mail at me at the Real Mason V on Twitter. See ya. And we are back. Thank you, Mason, for all of that. All right, since no one from Iowa State wanted to answer any of my emails and DMs, had to reach out to Jimmy, a.k.a. KSU underscore fan. 
for his very smart take on Iowa State. So this is what he sent me. When looking at Iowa State, you have to start with the offense. The Cyclones are averaging over three points per drive and score touchdowns on nearly 40% of their drives. That that is the lead league. Uh, And they also lead the league in yards per play at 6.2 yards per play. And they gain 54% of the yardage available to them on a drive-by-drive basis. They're close to second or they are close second to only Oklahoma in nearly every other offensive category, though they do rank in the bottom of the league when it comes to taking care of the football. They turn it over 11% of the time of their drives. That's a lot. We're going to need that. Of course, Brees Hall, everyone knows him. He leads the league in yards per game at nearly 150 yards. He averages – 6.2 yards per carry. He has 13 touchdowns in only seven games. Brock Purdy is the quarterback. He sucks. He's fifth in the the league at yards per game, but who cares? Sixth uh, in the league at quarterback rating. Stats are shit. He only has 10 touchdowns. He has six interceptions, which is what I want to focus on. Six interceptions. Xavier Hutchinson is their leading receiver, 35 catches, 407 yards, and tight end Charlie Kohler, 23 catches, 264 yards. On defense, and I don't like this, they rank third in the league at points per drive, only giving up 1.74. They're third in the league at touchdown rate at 21.7. I would say forces turnovers 13% of the time, so again, we're going to have to take care of the ball. And they are third in Havoc right at 17.2. I don't like it. Don't like I don't it. like it either. Those are My, Those are yeah, scary I don't either. like this. Mike Ross is in the top five in the Big 12 with 56 tackles. He also has three interceptions. Uh, defensive lineman Jaquan Bailey second in the league at tackles uh, for a loss with 11. He also has five sacks. Uh, while defensive lineman Will McDonald is the co-leader for the Big 12, the sacks with 5.5. So, again, they're getting the quarterback. Their secondary is their weakest unit, though, They but they have a really <laughs> strong front seven. So, we have to – if we can find a way to protect Will Howard, we might be able to get loose. Uh, there's, the, the special teams, they're average at best. They've given up two kickoff returns for a touchdown, one punt return for a touchdown. They're okay at kick return, but they are below average on punt returns and field goals. So again, we're gonna if we're gonna find a way to win this, it might have to be on special teams. So thank you to Jimmy giving us some of this information, even though I don't like reading it. It's it's not a lot of fun. So hey, if it makes you feel better, the Big Twelve is shit. So to be like top three in the Big Twelve, it doesn't really say a whole lot. I mean, I've watched them enough times to know that we have a shot. They lost to Oklahoma State last week. Let's if we could do some comparative scoring. They lost to Oklahoma State. We should have beat Oklahoma State. It's fine, dude. We're gonna be all right. And they were down twenty-one nothing versus a shit Baylor team. Whatever. Yeah. Let's they should have lost to Oklahoma. I mean, fuck. Yeah. Them. They should have like seven losses. Fuck them. I agree. All right. So let let's get into kind of what I had broken down. What the game means again? Much more meta. Much more uh, philosophical than than Jimmy with all his numbers, which, you know what? Freaking love Jimmy. I might just have to force him to give it a little verbal breakdown for all the previews next year. We need more Jimmy, but damn it, he's doing too much stuff with KSO in their podcast. Like, I honestly, know. I don't like it. I don't like it. 
we'll, we'll get them back. We'll get them back. Everyone, here, we're going to put KSU underscore fan in the doghouse. I know he listens, so hopefully enough people listen before uh, before he does. But but what gift should everyone tweet at, at KSU underscore fan? Oh, man. That's a good question. Let's answer it at the end of the show. Okay. That's fine. All right. So, will this game even be played? You know, we're going to have to – we're back to having to wait until Friday for confirmation if this game's going to get played. Um, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. Um, so, that's like the number one thing on the table, you know, for what it means. Hey, let's just hopefully get it played. The next one, I would say I don't think they're ever going to be the biggest rival on the schedule. I think for 99.99% of fans, it's always going to be KU. But they are like the most competitive one. And while they're Charlie Brown, we've been pulling the football away almost every game for the last 30 years. You can't let them get used to kicking the football. You can't let that program, that fan base, can't let the media, you know, feel vindicated and pumping them up. Um, again, the games are close, but we always pull it out. So you got to keep pulling the football away. And then, again, this is the last stand for the 2020 dream of Arlington. We're going to get to Arlington one day. It's going to happen. My guess is sooner rather than later. I think we're in Arlington within the next three years. But if you lose this one, it's done. The, the, the dream is dead until next year. But if you win it, all of a sudden you control your own destiny, getting back there. Um, and, again, this is one that I think is near and dear to both of our hearts. This game, probably more than even the KU game, has the most checks riding on it when it comes to K-State fans on the internet. Um, even without the implications of this game, yes. Yeah. I mean, um, it's always <laughs> terrifying for me. Um, I've got enough receipts that people can look back on. Um, and shove it in my face. I haven't been very vocal. Today I tweeted at uh, their kicker, Grant Mahoney, who is super vocal on Twitter. Um, he didn't respond former, former yet. Former kicker. Former, former kicker. kicker, yeah. Yeah, I'm not tweeting any current kickers. But, you know, the, the infamous Blockers. kicker that had his, had his extra point blocked back in 2009, um, who says – he, he seems to believe that um, we – should have been penalized on that play. Um, but he's a huge, he's a huge bitch. He's so vocal on Twitter too. I'm surprised he hasn't responded yet, but um, I don't know. I, the next few days I'll probably ramp it up, especially Friday. Um, but right now, you know, I just, my heart's not in it yet. Um, Cause it's just, there's all this, there's this dark cloud of us not even maybe playing the game. So who the hell knows, but Friday I'll let him know. No doubt. Yeah, and it's, the problem is I don't have to let them know anymore because everyone's really kind of does it for me. Honestly, it. I think when this podcast started, and I don't want to take too much credit for it, we were on the cutting edge of trolling Iowa State fans. Like you and me, we're, we weren't the first, but I think we might have been the most persistent for a while. Now all of a just, sudden, yeah, K State Twitter Nation. Like over the last three years, it's been <laughs> it's been a big deal, and and again. Uh, shout out to John Kurtz. He mentioned this, you know, going back to that, the first, you know, Farmageddon when we were a podcast, uh, you know, we, we get out to that massive lead. We're just dunking on them on Twitter. And then we have the collapse. Like, you know, it, I don't know. I, I'm still kind of proud that we didn't cower from that when we, you know, when the roles were reversed, just kind of l l leaned into the skid. But 
you know, yeah. I, I'll tell you this. I'm going to be – I'm usually pretty doom and gloom on game day, like on Twitter. But if we score the first touchdown or if we can get up, God forbid, by double digits, I'm going to be just freaking dunking on Iowa State fans, just shitting on them left <laughs> and right. Like, I want that so bad. It's so much fun. So that's a massive thing. Uh, again, I was and, – and, again, this is the other thing. I would say it's kind of become the non-name brand program that gets the most love, that they're getting the dark horse type treatment every year. It's a spot that, you know, K-State's never going to be name brand, I don't think, but that's the spot that we need to and should strive to fill and live up to the hype more than I would say. So again, beating them kind of puts them back where they belong and we get back into that contender status that the media keeps trying to hype them up to be. And then again, it's not only to keep our Arlington dream alive, but it would prevent Iowa State from booking their trip. If they win, it's over. They only have to win one of their final two games, and they're in the Big 12 championship game. If they lose this game, they need a lot – not a lot, but they need help to get in. So I don't want to give them that. I want it. I want to win out. I want to make sure we're there and they're not. And again – Winning this game would prevent the first three-game losing streak in the climbing era. So that's all that's on stake. That's, you know, all the talking points that are on my mind going into this, uh, you know, game. What, what's on your mind? What would you add, if anything, to that list? Man, I'm not sure I would add anything, but just to kind of speak on, you know, what we have to prevent – we have to crush the narrative. We, we do have to crush the Iowa State spirit before, before the train keeps rolling, before it really gets any steam. Um, this is their 98 Nebraska, by the way. I know. <laughs> this game is their 90. And, and again, they, they don't have a, you know, a super long losing streak, but they've only won four out of the last 30. So, again, it's not to that extent. And, but, but, but this is their 98 Nebraska. You know, they're trying to beat their big bad. They're trying to beat their Bowser in, a, in an attempt to get to the Big 12 championship game for the first time ever. I agree. And, I mean, obviously, we have to win this for our sake. I think there's a pretty good chance they could lose both of the next of the two games. Um, I wouldn't say they're punching their ticket if they beat us. I wouldn't go that far. The chances obviously agree. increase for them – greatly but who are we talking about here i mean shit on the line are we really trusting iowa state no i'm absolutely not they don't have the mentality i mean i'm not trusting texas or what west virginia to beat them and they'd have to lose both of them i i think the odds are more in the favor of iowa state fucking it up but um and i agree with you to an extent that we need to reclaim that K-State's a dark horse team, but I think, you know, let's go further and say Chris Kleiman in the era, let's have it to where we can claim the stake that, wow, K-State's actually one of the favorites to win the Big 12 this year. I don't want to be that dark horse shit. I want to go I don't back. think we ever will, though. Like, do you really think we're going to get to a point where it's like, okay, you know, it, it's, gonna, it's not going to be Oklahoma and Texas? It could be Oklahoma and K-State. Or it could be oh. Texas and K State. You know what I mean? I don't think it's be like okay, wherever. I don't think in the age of okay, maybe dark horse is the high wall. recruiting. Will we ever really be an outright favorite to win the Big Twelve? Probably not. Um, it's always going to be Oklahoma and Texas. They're always going to be mentioned, but it's like 
with Kleiman, I think he's too much of a psychopath to <laughs> I say that in a good way. Um, I don't think he wants to fill that role. I think he wants, he wants to be talked about in the same breath as Oklahoma and Texas. So fuck that. Let's not even pretend that we're, that Iowa state is assuming the role that we should have now. We're still well, fucking ahead of them. But, but it's the media. It's the media. And, and that's kind of why I put it, put the little bit in there about, but actually live up to it because this is – We're never going to get respect. The, the second or – is this the second or third straight year where everyone's like, oh, I would say they might get to the Big 12 championship game. I mean, and, and they don't. And, again, I – man. But we didn't deserve – we didn't deserve that hype in 18. We didn't deserve it last year. I'm not, I'm not saying we did. I'm just or saying – this year. I'm just saying that there there is a a, a role for and, and again it's this year you know it's everyone's Oklahoma State Texas uh, Oklahoma and then it was Iowa State after that I, again I I just want to leapfrog them and be where we deserve to be near the top of the Big Twelve in the media talking points and fucking shit if you want to talk goddamn recruiting look at Iowa State's recruiting class it is dog shit this year and it wasn't very good last year again if they don't get it this year they're never going to get it and that's the way it needs to be so again we have to you know play our role we have to keep them where they belong they have to be basically a shittier version of Tottenham and just not let them even have a chance of getting to that game so it's all riding on this game, and again, I I'm not as confident in you. I think if if we don't win this, they're going to get to Arlington, and we have to do it. For, we have to do it for the conference. It's not a good look letting Iowa State play in the conference championship game. We have to step up. We have to kick them while they're down. Well, they're not down. We have to kick them down. God damn it, we have to win. I agree. I we agree. have to win that way. It's going to be – it could be a really tough year for my sports narratives. Um, Iowa State, a few games away from a Big 12 title berth. Tottenham in second. Actually, I think they're top of the table. It's a little early, but there's it's no clear early. favorites in the Premier League this year. Liverpool are in a massive injury crisis. Chelsea's, Chelsea's figuring out. Horrendous. No, they're figuring United out. United are terrible. City are not good. Ugh. Not feeling very good about it. But um, let's talk about how we're going to yes. get back into our win pattern of 4-2-4-2 four, two, four, two, and uh, give me your, give me kick your off key. the four-game win streak in the title, the, the Chris Kleiman's first Big 12 title. It starts with Chris Kleiman w- winning his second straight game over weird, vile creature Matt Campbell. And my first key to V is to score non-offensive touchdowns. Um, that is the is that multiple? Touchdowns or touchdown? Because when it comes to grading this, I, I mean, said, uh, I said touchdowns. It's plural. I mean, it's that might be, that might be a stretch, but we have to find a way to get in the end zone outside of the offense. This game, whether it's one touchdown or two or three, three would be nice. But um, that's the recipe uh, for this team to win games. That's the recipe that this team has had to upset teams. It's how we got ourselves to four zero in the conference. You know, we are so toothless offensively. You have to find other ways to score. Iowa State is going to give us opportunities to do that. They turn over the ball a lot. 11 turnovers, is that what you said? I mean, we still have a chance. This is the time for Echo Boyero to house one. This is the time for Phillip Brooks to crib another. We need it. We absolutely need it. What's your key to do? 
Yeah, my first one is don't let them have a second player that kills you. I we, we bottled Brees Hall pretty good last year, but I think that between him and their offensive line, I think that you're not going to contain him. Uh, hopefully don't let him have any big plays, but don't let Brock Purdy hurt you. Don't let uh, their second running back hurt you. Don't let an individual wide receiver hurt you. If you leave it to just Brees Hall, you're going to have a shot you know, in that fourth quarter. If, if Brees Hall is the only one cooking, that's not going to be enough for them to run away from us. I agree. Um, second key to be for me is win the red zone on defense. We're kind of a bend-don't-break defense this year. Uh, we don't score a lot offensively, obviously. Forcing Iowa State into threes instead of sixes will give us a chance to win this game. I think it'll, it'll take it down to the wire. Um, I, I personally think this is going to look similar to last week. Um, I think we all have a chance. I, I mean, I don't feel good. This is the worst I've felt about a game um, in a long time in terms of Iowa State, but uh, I think we all have a chance. What's your second key to be? Yeah, we're saying with that red zone, you have to capitalize. It has cost momentum at a minimum in the last few games, and it 100% cost the entire game versus Oklahoma State. If you don't capitalize in the red zone, this team will have a third straight loss. We are not – we're no longer explosive enough to score touchdowns without capitalizing in the red zone. So you have to do it. You have that very first trip to the red zone. If we score a touchdown and it, say that gives us a 7-0 lead or a 7-3 lead or a, you know, a 10-10, just a lead. If we score a touchdown on that first trip and it gives us a lead, watch out. Not only will my Twitter fingers be, you know, cat, <laughs> writing some checks, but I think the team's going to start to feel, feel themselves and it's going to be good. So, those are our keys to be heavy on the red zone. Uh, but, you know, that's what it comes down to. It's time for our game prediction, and it is brought to you by Bet Online. I talked about at the top of the show, if you use promo code armchair, you're going to get an awesome welcome bonus for literally, I, I would say, the best 10-day stretch in sports gambling every year. Get out of here with Wild Card Weekend. Get out of here with the NCAA tournament. This is the best week for sports gambling. So, with COVID, we don't even know if K-State's going to play. We don't know any other games, so we're going to bring back Pick'em next year. But we are still picking one game. And then we'll talk about some other games to wrap us up. But, Grant, give me a score. Let me know what you think is going to happen in Farmageddon. I think we're going to lose this game 100%, but I'm picking with my heart. I can't in good faith pick the cats to lose against Iowa State. I think we put it together. This is one of the games where I think our offense clicks just enough to get it done. Cats 27. Cyclones 21. Defense holds them to only three scores. I'm saying it is going to be heartbreak hotel for fucking Iowa State, because as Stan Weber once said, Kansas State always beats Iowa State. I'm saying Cats 28, Iowa State 27. I'm saying we're going to have an Echo Boydo pick six. I'm going to say Bill the Butcher has a big game. We finally get another massive game from Deuce Jitterbug Vaughn. It is going to be a big, big, big K-State victory that is then going to spur us on to our first trip to Arlington for the listen Big 12 championship. Listen to this prediction. Two wide receiver touchdowns on Saturday. Woo! Two wide receiver touchdowns. Man, one guy or multiple guys? 
Two different guys. Oh my gosh, we are getting Brooks, wild. Philip Brooks and uh, Weber. He's gonna come out of nowhere. It's gonna be Weber. I love it, guy. Uh, yeah. So we're we're doing it. Tweet us in your game predictions, and then let's just talk real quick. Uh, Big Twelve games, and then some national games. Texas at KU. Never forget one time Texas lost to KU in football. Uh, I don't see it happening again. I think Texas wins by fifty. I do too. Bethel. That was really sad when they beat KU or when they lost KU that night. Charlie Strong, I watched his press conference. And oh, it was like, poor guy. It honestly tore my heart out. I was a him. big Charlie Strong fan. Um, yeah, Bedlam, Oklahoma State at Oklahoma. If Oklahoma State wins there in Arlington, if Oklahoma wins, it creates absolute madness in the conference title race, but Oklahoma seems to be unstoppable at this point. Uh, yeah, I mean, Bedlam is absolutely enormous. I mean, Oklahoma State – or if Oklahoma wins, that's essentially – you could say the same thing. They're, punt, they're basically got one foot in. I mean, that gives them the advantage over Oklahoma State. Who else they have left? They've already played Texas, us, Oklahoma State, Iowa State. They're not going to fucking – they're going to lose. Yeah, so, so then it's going to get weird with some tiebreakers. Shit's going to get, get weird with tiebreakers. So we're going to win. Yes. We're going to win out, so it's not yes. going to matter for us. Exactly. We're going to play Oklahoma State again. All right. Uh, so, let's get to – oh, actually, I don't know. How will the tiebreakers work if it's a three-way tie? That's a good question. Record uh, versus fourth-place team? Maybe. Which, which would still – it would still – well, it depends on who's fourth place. Shit's going to get weird. Just stay tuned. We're going to win out. Won't matter. Okay. National game one. What's a national game you might have your eye on? I've got Indiana number nine versus number three Ohio State. Um, I think it's, it's an exciting, intriguing matchup. See what Indiana is actually made of. Um, top ten matchup with Indiana involved. Interesting. I think Ohio wouldn't ha- State wouldn't happen went. any other year. I think Ohio <laughs> yeah. State probably rolls, but you never know. Yeah, I've watched, I, I watched. Or I watched Indiana a couple times, and they're not bad. They're not bad. Yeah, I mean, it's just a wild year. I have Wisconsin at Northwestern. It's a top 20 match. Uh, Wisconsin's only played two games uh, due to COVID. Can they keep their momentum going? I mean, they have a Kansas kid playing quarterback. I'll be watching. What's your uh, second national game you'll have an eye on? Second national game, I've got the undefeated 8-0, number 21-ranked Liberty Flames traveling to North Carolina State. Can they keep the fire alive on the road against an ACC opponent? I'm going to say no because Hugh Freeze is probably already interviewing for jobs. Probably. Uh, and then my final one is uh, Cincy at UCF. I mean, Cincinnati's hot. Can a group of five team make the playoff? My guess is no. Uh, they're only six-point favorites versus UCF. The Golden Knights give them in a game. I love watching the Americans. So, uh, that's all we got. Shout out to Newman. He hates Iowa State. He's a good boy. He's a very good dog. Uh, stay tuned. I think we're going to have like a fun, silly type show on Friday. I think really what Free Play Friday is all about. We're going to have fun with that one. Um, but, yeah, just keep it going. Fuck Iowa State. Fuck the Charlie Brown motherfuckers. Uh, Put it out there into the universe. Let's get the confidence win. rolling. Put it into the universe. Let's, let's manifest it in our minds into reality. We can do this. We got to win. It's, it's our birthright. It's our birthright. It's – it is. It's it's our agenda every year. Keep it going. I feel good about it. Not really. But <laughs> I'm not gonna pick 
I'm not going to pick the Cyclones. And it's been, what, three episodes since we've heard the wonderful catchphrase that Brogan Berry bestowed upon us. Folks, meet me at the cafe. I'm singing this note because it fits in well with the chords I'm playing. I can't pretend there's any meaning hidden in the things I'm saying. But I'm in tune, right in tune. I'm in tune, and I'm gonna tune.
Sports Social Podcast Network.